0: You're on air with Douglas, where fans are connected to their favorite celebrities. And now, here's your host, Douglas.
1: All right, happy April 5th. It is 6 p.m. over here on the West Coast. Beautiful weather over here for all of those on the East Coast that are in the snow. Sorry about you guys. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Tonight is 2 exciting things because not only do we have Beth Maitland who has portrayed Tracy Abbott on Young and the Restless for the last three decades but it's also my 200th show I started in uh, December of 2011 and tonight we're going to continue to celebrate and uh, help show the love for Young and Restless's 40th anniversary and uh, talk to Beth and just to let everybody know just in case you didn't see it on Twitter or Facebook that we have Peter Bergman joining us on um, this coming Wednesday at 6pm Pacific. He is of course well known for his role on Young and Restless as Jack Abbott, Tracy's brother. And then uh, on the following Wednesday, uh, the 17th, I have Doug Davidson joining us. So lots of history with Young and Restless to celebrate this sh- this month on our show. Uh, this- these shows will be on On Air with Doug, and uh, be sure to go to onairwithdoug.com and follow me on Twitter at onairwithdoug and at TalkSoap. So without further ado, I'm going to bring the beautiful and talented Beth Mainland on. So welcome, Beth.
2: Hi, Douglas. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: Oh, thank you so much. As I was telling you before, I I really I had talked to um, the three actresses that portrayed Ashley, and I talked to John Abbott, played by Jared Douglas, and you know, I have Peter coming on. I was like, I've got I to get Tracy. People are like, you know, where's Tracy? We've got to get, we get Tracy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get a little <laughs> Beth. I will I will find a way to contact you. And someone actually helped me uh, find your, uh, your uh, profile on Facebook. So thank you so much for being here
2: awesome it's my pleasure i'm thrilled to be here and um I know every, there's everybody uh that you've even that you've mentioned as well as as well as my friend Tracy Bregman everybody has uh been so excited to be on your show and so happy to be a part of your your mission to kind of promote the young and the restless and daytime in general uh because yeah. the face of daytime has changed so much mm-hmm. so uh thank you very much for all of your support and all you do
1: yeah it's it's a pleasure i mean you know I feel like you know, Bill Bell created this amazing this, this this amazing home for us to watch five days a week, all year long, for the last 40 years. I felt like I wanted to, you know, with the downfall of some of the changes in daytime, I really wanted to continue to celebrate and show that soaps are important. So powers that be that, that do listen to my show, they will know that there are people out there that are not going to let you take young nurses away from us. We're not going down That's without awesome. a
2: fight. That's <laughs> awesome. And, and you know what, Douglas? Um, I, I, your your um, your efforts, I'm sure, will be rewarded. Um, this it, it is also a very exciting time for the shift in daytime to the internet. And here you have your radio spot right here, um, as well as all of the new people can find web series, um, a lot of daytime shows, as you know. Prospect Park has uh, purchased the two ABC shows you mentioned as we were chatting before the show started. Um, Lots of opportunity there, and a burgeoning time, uh, a real time for pioneers for daytime to shift a little bit. And um, we're so thrilled that there are still some remaining shows on the big three, you know, on network broadcasting, we're so grateful. But as yeah. as things have changed, there's also new frontiers to be uh, tapped, and we're so it's a very exciting time.
1: Yeah, and speaking of web series, I was shocked and is so happy when I happened to turn on to this new one called The Grove, and I saw <laughs> you there. And you were such a different than Tracy. I'm so used to you putting know, up trying Tracy Habit. Not Abbott.
2: exactly Tracy. <laughs> no,
1: no. So tell us about the Grove. What, what what has that experience been like for you?
2: Oh, my gosh, I would love to. Um, first of all, you know the lovely Crystal Chappelle, who mm-hmm. um, is a longtime acquaintance and now friend. And she is one of those pioneers we were just talking about. It was a great pleasure to be a part of this fantastic cast, every one of them veteran and award-winning daytime stars, every one of them. Competent and fabulous, and um, I think uh, it's these web series and The Grove in particular. First of all, was shot on location in the beautiful central coast of California, and um, on a beautiful avocado orchard. And then there were some locations that were in Los Angeles, and um, and so we had some East Coast actors come out and participate. And in every case, everybody got to do a little something different, a little something that they are not exactly known for in their daytime career. So it was fun for everybody. And what a communal atmosphere, what a great bunch of people, the, from the crew to the production staff to the creative staff, everybody was, was just, it was almost like uh, like doing a play in a really condensed amount of time. I come from a theater background, and there is a sense of family that, in theater that In in on-camera work, I can only attribute to daytime as well. When you you do something for a long period of time with the same group of people, you Mm -hmm. all get to know the strengths and weaknesses of each other. Uh, You learn to support each other and help each other get through the rough spots and Celebrate the great spots. And, and doing The Grill was very much like that. Everybody was so um, just out to have a great time doing what we love. And in a lot of cases, several of the actors, and I at the time, I wasn't Young and the Restless um, for that uh, of time we were shooting, um, every one of us was sort of um, so excited to get out there and actually do be an actor that day. Um, it's one of the things I love about, um, about auditions. You know, uh, on a day that I don't have an audition that I'm just going about my regular life, everything's great. But on a day I get a call to go in and read for something, there's a lot of actors that won't read for parts. They will not audition. And yeah. I, just sort of, I just sort of agree with uh, a famous quote of the Actress Time Daily who we love oh, um yeah. who says I just I wake up in the morning and today's the day I get to go be an actor. And um, it's not it's not so much about being paid for it, it's about getting to work out, getting to do what you love.
1: Exactly. And for anybody and who has oh I'm I'm
2: sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to uh, finish up the role that I got to play on the Grove. It's the character of Gloria, um, is so not Tracy. And um, Sh- Crystal and I had talked about this. They had a couple of other actors in mind, and and she wasn't sure if if I could do it, if my fans would like it, you know, if mm-hmm. if I would sort of make that fit because it's so different than the Tracy I I uh, that everyone knows me for, and we decided to give it a try, and I was talking to also another great friend of mine, Hilary Smith, who was Nora, One Life to Live, mm-hmm, yep. um, and is now Nora again on One Life to Live yeah. across the park. And, the, and we were all laughing about it because they said, you know, now that we've seen you do it, we can't imagine anybody else doing this role. So <laughs> it was so much fun to be a little bit offbeat and a little bit naughty and a little bit not, not Tracy.
1: Yeah. Well, for anybody who's out there that had not seen it, it is a 70-minute pilot mini-movie, and it's on YouTube, but you can go to the com, and you can get all the information and watch it there. You can watch it on any of your devices that carry uh, YouTube apps, because it's it's really a lot of fun. And, you, and what's funny, you you play, I, I think I, I got this right, it's been a while since I watched it, you play, uh, uh, well, people know Christian LeBlanc as Michael Baldwin, but don't you play his mm-hmm. mom?
2: I play his stepmother.
1: Oh, stepmother. That's right, stepmother. Yeah. So it was yes. neat to see not only you in this role, but Christian in a totally different role than what I'm used to. With you know what we're used to is Michael Baldwin. So uh, exactly right. People.
2: Kind of a young punk, kind of brawler, kind of manipulator. It was everybody. Like I said, got a chance to do something so different than they normally play. Who wouldn't show up for that?
1: <laughs> oh, I know. Crystal is really. I believe you know. Gosh, I can't even. I can't come up with the right adjective, but she is. Really, the one to go to for web shows. I mean, she's created uh, Venice. She's done the Grove. Uh, she's mm-hmm. done. Um, I went blank on the other one that she did, but she's she's part of like a bunch of these, and she's really pioneered a lot of doors for showing success of web series. And they're now they're every
3: right you're absolutely
2: right she even has a situation comedy in um in development right now for a similar idea um but for a, for a web series but but an entirely different uh it's not a soap opera it's not a continuing drama it's a it's an actual sitcom so that could be very exciting as well
1: oh wow see you know a lot of people are really scared about you know what's happening in daytime but We sadly we have we've evolved, you know, technology's evolved, things have changed, and and with the internet being really, you know, it's on our TVs, it's on our phones, it's on our iPads, it's everywhere. We you know we can watch Young and the Restless even uh, on our iPad now. CBS just released an app on the iPad, and you can watch CBS on the go now. I mean, everything's becoming so mobile now that there, you know, if for some reason daytime uh, on the networks is no longer with us in the future, it'll always be available because you know now we're going to be seeing two beloved soaps returning to the soaps uh to the online uh aspect uh you know in April 29th.
2: That's right. That's exactly right. And I, and I think um, I'm so thrilled that the networks are also seeing, uh, I think there's also the possibility of them developing YouTube channels as well as iTunes channels for the, each individual network as well. There's uh, there's some rumor about that perhaps going on. And it's wonderful that they also realize this opportunity. A, you're too young probably to remember this, but back in the 80s um, <laughs> when when there were just the networks and then local little, um, like local broadcasting companies, are might be, there were the big three, and then there might be one or two other, based on the market, the part of the country you live in, uh, smaller little local channels that had programming mm-hmm. as well, that got syndicated series and had their own news and talk shows. Back in the 80s, before cable, that's what cable was just like the Internet is now a new frontier. Nobody yeah. knew how it was going to settle. Nobody knew about All of a sudden, there are paid movie channels, and now those same movie channels are developing into buying their own uh, programming. And... It took a couple of, you know, it took a decade or two for things to sort of settle in, and it was a, but it was a very amazing, frightening, but wonderful time, and yeah. and I really hope that we can, if we can be positive about it and look at it in that way, there is, uh, there, I think that the internet is going to prove to be that as well. It's going to be the new frontier, like like cable was in the '80s. Um, exactly. If we can uh, express that simile, I think that the internet is going to be the new place for all kinds of opportunity. And if we can look at it less as competition or change or fearful things, if mm-hmm. we can look at it more as opportunity, I think embracing that there there's nowhere we can't go.
1: Exactly. Well, you 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 hit it right there with that. So, um and I and I and the fans, you know, you know, they were kind of Leery at first with Prospect Park because it didn't happen last year when it was originally going to happen. But now that it's mm-hmm. all up and there's billboards up in LA now, I mean, it's it's good to go. You know, I'm, I'm very excited. And uh, I didn't, I, you know, as I was telling you before, I watched just CBS. So I'm um, growing up, I watched that whole lineup. I didn't watch the ABC show. So um, now with them coming back, I'll, I'll start watching them because, you know, it's something new and exciting. But I'm happy for the, 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 the fans that you know that was brought back. Now, if we could just get Guy and Lightning Animal turns back,
2: I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that was a CBS show, so the deal yeah. wasn't made. That was those were specifically made with ABC. Yeah. But but, but there will be, I'm sure with a show that was in existence and now has been canceled, there's a lot of licensing issues. There's a lot of problems yeah. with that. But yeah. but again, you know, if there's where there's a will, there's a way. Perhaps it's not insurmountable.
1: Yeah. All right, well let's go back in time a little bit and go you know, back to the beginning. Uh when when Beth was a little girl, did she want to be an actress growing up when she grew up? Absolutely.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I I um in the in the seventies when I was a kid. Um, it was a, a time when they call it latchkey children. It was when both parents were finally for the first time out of the home, and moms were all at work, and everybody was in the workplace. So kids just, you know, came home from school and let themselves in. And and after homework every day after school, I watched old movies. I sang to all my moms. Albums. There are people listening that don't know what an album is. (laughs) (laughs) The actual vinyl on a turntable, and I sang all the songs to Sound of Music and all the songs to West Side Story. And and, um, I had a tremendous fantasy life, a tremendous a tremendous um, uh, imagination uh, uh, active youth and lots of really great um, people in my life that that encouraged me to watch old movies and to be raised on the movies of the 40s and um, wonderful MGM actors and 20th um, Century Fox actors, um, Catherine Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart and Judy Garland and um I was so fortunate to have that kind of input and background. I'm a very musical family. My my mom was a singer. My dad played the piano. And there was music in our house all the time. And so um, when I was 13, I did my first play. It was the summer where I grew up in Arizona. They did not have junior high. You went through eighth grade uh, in elementary school, and you went straight into four-year high school. So during that bridge, an English teacher of mine suggested that I take a summer acting workshop. That was sponsored by the community, but but was run by the acting teacher at the high school I would go to. And we did Arthur Miller's The Crucible, and I didn't know what an audition was, and I didn't want to appear stupid, so I just made something. I went home and prepared something that I made up. (laughs) <laughs> and and um, I got a speaking role in the very first play that I auditioned for, and it, it began a lifelong relationship. I'm still – he is my mentor, um, Mr. Jim Newcomer in, uh, Arizona, in Scottsdale, Arizona, is still – Building sets for the, the local um, performance performing arts centers and Arizona State University. He's still, in a, you know, has retired from teaching, but is very active still in theater life. And I knew from my first step on a stage that that's what I wanted to do. And I, it was a very odd thing. I just, I never. I could never place myself in an office for very long or in, behind, you know, as a bank teller or as a nurse or a secretary. I could never see myself in one place for too long. I was afraid I would get bored. And to me, playing other roles um, was a constant challenge, a constant inspiration. And very honestly, I was a little uh, uncomfortable in my own skin. It was very Tracy in my teen years that, you know, I was shy a little bit and a little overweight and a little uncomfortable about, like we all are, if it's not our weight. I think that was what attracted people to Tracy so much is that it could be your, your nose is too big or your ears stick out or you have acne or your hair is too curly and you can't control it. I mean, there's something about um, going through puberty and being a young teenager that everyone could relate to in Tracy. And, and for me, it was easier to play somebody else because it was all written out and it was predestined and we knew how it was going to end and that made me more comfortable. So it was an interesting time of... Of complete commitment to the idea that I was going to be able to be an actor, and my parents—I didn't have a show business family. I had, you know, arts in the home, but I—we lived in Arizona. I'm—I was born in Rapid City, South Dakota,
4: <laughs> and we
2: moved—we moved to to um, Scottsdale, Arizona, to suburbia, during a time when when uh, it was the the job market was good for my family, and so um, I didn't have any show business relatives, or or I had no idea what I was doing, but um, but I knew that that's what I had to do. I was myopic in my focus, and I was sure that that's where I had to go. I went for a couple of years to Arizona State University, and I sang um, in their lyric opera program. So I it was I was in the music theater department so that my major instrument was my voice and then i was a theater was like a partial it was part of the major the degree program uh so i had theater classes i sang in all their operas and all their musicals i got to do plays from time to time and by the time i moved to california i had been in over 80 productions already so yeah that was my sort of my early years and i moved to california Um, I studied with John Davidson Singer Summer Camp for two years. John Davidson at at that time in the early 80s was a giant star. He was headlining in Vegas. He was hosting The Tonight Show. He had his own talk show. He had game shows that he hosted. He he was everywhere. And um, he and his wife decided they wanted to give back. And so for a couple of years, on Catalina Island, he had a, a four week program for young singers. And you had to audition, and if you were accepted, there were several sessions of summer. You spent four weeks on Catalina, and all of John's friends came and spoke to us, coached us. Andy Williams was there, Tony Tenniel came. I mean, it was all these great A B singers that John wow. was working with in Vegas. All volunteered. Lawrence Henderson came. Jim Neighbors came. All these, all of his friends from Vegas, who were big, giant stars then, came mm-hmm. and shared uh, with all of us. And we did five shows a weekend at an amphitheater in Avalon Bay, which is the main little port on Catalina. So we did five shows a weekend and built apps, nightclub apps. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, It was, from that, tremendous experience, and all of a sudden, I knew people in Los Angeles. I knew music directors and accompanists and musicians, and so by the time I settled here and started uh, in film school and started uh, auditioning and looking around for a a place to be myself, um, it was the perfect way to get me out here with a few contacts and a lot of drive and commitment, and um, in a a very short time, by the, I think four years almost to the month, um I had a job on the young and the restless wow. it was it was I had worked in a casting office and someone saw me in a play at night. I was singing a musical, and they said, "You know I know you don 't have an agent, um but I heard about this audition. do you want me to make a call and set an appointment up for you and so I went on my lunch hour <laughs> and i <laughs> Uh, that was, I think, on a Tuesday. On Thursday, they gave me a call back. I had to go back at lunch and read for the producers. And on Friday, they... Uh, so Thursday night, I had to come back that afternoon after work for a screen test. Uh-huh. And they gave me the job on Friday, and I started on Monday.
1: Wow. Talk about
4: and right I was, place, right time.
2: Uh, uh, crazy. And, and timing was crucial. They had already seen a bunch of girls, and they hadn't found just the right one. They were building the Abbott family around... At the time the actor Terry Lester played the role of Jack, they were building Jack a family. Mm -hmm. And they had hired Jerry Douglas, uh, you probably heard some of this from the Ashleys and from the John. They had hired Jerry Douglas, but they were looking for girls to be his sisters. And um, I was sort of the last person they saw before they thought, you know, out of these few, I'm sure we'll find something. And one of the producers sort of took a liking to me and came to my dressing room and coached me for my uh, for my screen test. And um, I was only supposed to work for the summer. They signed me to a three-month um, it was a it was a longer term contract, but they told me it would probably only be for the three months because it was an odd thing to cast a, 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 a character like that, a very mm. non beautiful soapy character like that. They weren't sure how it was going to be received, and the response was overwhelming. And it, um, it, coming up uh, this next month, we are finishing my thirtieth year on the anniversary.
1: That is unbelievable. Can you believe where's the time gone?
2: I do not know. (laughs) I feel like that same girl. I don't photograph the same way,
4: but
1: (laughs) oh, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Um, So you know, work. You know, the late Bill Bell, bless him. He was. He's such an iconic, uh, you know, player in in daytime, and he really you know paved the way for so many people. What What did you learn uh, from him?
2: Um. Tell me who I, I'm. You're, you. I did not hear who you're asking me. About.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, right. oh I'm sorry. Uh, Bill Bell.
2: Oh, Bill, of course. Uh, I wasn't sure, and I. And this is very funny because um, somebody asked me a question, and I thought I was talking about Bill, and it, they, their question was about Jerry Douglas.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: my, and the answer, although similar, was quite
3: different. <laughs> but
2: sometimes on those you know on the radio with our connection and our I uh, uh, whatever I I missed the the question okay um, I it's an interesting thing I was hired um, with a, a very strong executive producer in the Los Angeles area uh, that was sort of responsible for hiring me and I didn't meet Bill Bell until six months into me being in the role uh-huh. um, he li- at the time he lived in Chicago I'm sure that you've heard some of this before too um, he li- he and his family lived in Chicago and he um had already been been instrumental in days of our lives and um and developing the young and the restless and had had been around so much that his his wife lee um had a a talk show in the local market in chicago and so their family lived there so that she could uh, be the host of her talk show um in that market and um he came to town for something, perhaps an anniversary party or perhaps a holiday party, and um, my first meeting with Bill Bell, I had no idea even what he looked like, was we were, I was finishing scenes and we were walking through the hallway that leads from Uh, one stage to the other and you've been there so you know that we all of our sets are permanently on two sound stages and Mm. so there's a there's a big elephant door between the two stages and we were walking from like the morning half of the day into the afternoon half of the day and this handsome blonde man in a suit came rushing up to me and threw his arms around me and lifted me off the floor and I had no
4: idea who he was (laughs) and I was
2: gasping for air, and it was Mr. Bill Bell, and he oh. um, he was very complimentary and so excited about how the Abbott family was sort of forming up. We, we all of us, in those early years, um, of those early weeks even, um, made a great commitment to getting together socially. Um, Terry Lester at the time was a, a, uh, an opera singer and a pianist. So we would meet and, and have dinner at his house, the Abbott family, and we'd sing around the piano. And uh, Jerry Douglas, as you know, is a singer, and it was so much fun. and it's so exciting at such an exciting time in daytime. The eighties, in my mind, were sort of the heyday of soaps, and yeah. there were there were thirteen, fourteen, fifteen soap operas on the air, and it was such an exciting time. And it, and um, and. Bill was um, at the top of the heap, and he he really uh, i think of if of all things he taught me to not think selfishly as an individual character that mm-hmm. soap operas only work as uh, if if one character can impact a huge diverse range of other characters and other stories throughout the general arc of the show so you can never take yourself too seriously, your own storyline too seriously. You've always got to be looking for opportunities as an actor to play a connection with somebody else surprising, someone else unexpected, someone else maybe even non-scripted. And mm-hmm. although it doesn't always work out, I think one time I had a, a an odd sort of um, transitionary scene with Melody Thomas. Tracy and Nikki meet at the coffee shop, and she's about to marry Jack. And it was kind of she needed someone to talk to, and it was kind of an, an interesting and very unusual um, little little transition transitional scene and Melody and I both cried in the scene. And we weren't really supposed to, but we just made a connection. And It was so exciting. Daytime provides so many opportunities like this where two actors see in each other a chance to do something unexpected and, and play something, even though you say exactly the words that were on the paper. You make a choice that, that actually could open a door or lead the story a different way. It's mm-hmm. so exciting to be in a continuing role that you've, in my case, played for 30 years, and as you know, so many of the other actors on the show and other daytime shows have played for decades longer than I. It's such a wonderful and rare and special treat to be able to um, sort of take advantage of every moment and not get complacent and not just say the words, even though you could phone it in because you played the role for so long. If you if every day you just choose one way to um, find something different that th- that will um, interest the audience and cause the fans to question, hey, where's that going? Hey, I never saw that relationship before. It's, it's lots of fun. Yeah.
1: Well, Tracy has experienced so many things in the last three decades. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, she had low self-esteem. She was overweight. Uh, but you had some gorgeous leading men. So it was wonderful to see, you know, <laughs> Tracy meet up with Michael Damien and you know he, you know the, the actor I can't think of his name offhand who played Steve Conley uh, you know you you had a lot of uh, you know the the whole uh, Brad and Tracy saga was just a, a beautiful story and, and it was just so well told and you know got you you your your story, your uh, character has uh, you know one thing about Bill Bell he wrote uh, a lot of stuff about social issues just like his uh, his wife's uh, you know talk show. Talked uh, you know talked about uh, hot topics, and so there were there were stories with uh, with your with you where uh, you got high and uh, you got in a car crash, and then there was uh, came addicted to diet pills, and you were suicidal. I mean, you, your 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 character touched a lot of different aspects, and I love the fact that Bill Bell wrote things that were important to people. Like you know, every summer there used to be the that that teen driven storyline. You know, like mm-hmm. AIDS and pregnancy and abortion and that kind of thing and Tracy's just been through so much stuff and I must say I mean and I, I don't and we'll, and we'll talk about Colleen uh Tracy's daughter in a minute but when when Colleen died that was some of your best work uh, ever of over those years and I mean you were back you know you had been gone for the show for a while but you came back for quite a you know quite a while and uh when when you found out that your your on-screen daughter was going to die um, what was that like? As a,
2: as um, it, it's so interesting. There are there are lots of actors on the show who have relationships because they're there more often than I am, with mm-hmm. writers and with the network and with the uh, executive producers. And they kind of sometimes it's to the best interest of the telling the story to let that actor know where it's going. Nobody mm-hmm. ever tells me anything oh <laughs> so, so when I it's fine, but it's fine, it's great because the the outcome the the residual effect is that um I can be in the moment as things are sort of happening. I know literally a week in advance of how i'm of when I'm gonna play it when I receive my copy of the script. That's when I know nobody has ever leaked a storyline to me or told me, "Oh, Colleen is gonna die in a few episodes. I didn't know, and so it was. Actually, really kind of good, I have a beautiful seventeen year old daughter who's about to graduate from high school and um, she 's a musician she 's getting ready to um start college in the fall and i'm so proud of her and and playing that role, it was just three or four years ago. She was you know a a, a young teenager and yeah. although Colleen was probably ten years older in the storyline. It was really difficult to find that place as a mother losing her only child, mm-hmm. to have a beautiful only child daughter sitting at home, you know, batting her big blue eyes at me when I walked through the door, and try to stay in that place of, in, of intense loss and intense pain and absolute um, gut-wrenching heartache. and 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 it was 30 episodes over the course of several months. Yeah. I think I think I cried every episode I was in. Yeah. I think I cried for at least twenty five of those thirty episodes. Yeah, I know,
1: I remember. I remember that. I mean I just was like, that, Wow, you were you were hitting it out of the ballpark. I mean that was just phenomenal. But, but, and that's you that's why you got your uh, Emmy. I mean not, not from that because you got it, you know, several years before, but you're an Emmy uh winning uh award winning actress, so you got it in you
2: yeah I do. And and in fact, I think that the very thing having her having my beautiful daughter sitting at home was what kept me able to be connected and go that deep and be that um uh, be that entrenched in what pain that would be as a mother. It's every parent's worst nightmare, oh, and worst fear. And and um and I'll tell you in an odd way, it saves so much money, Douglas, on therapy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just be able to cry it out at work. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. But right. but, um,
4: it,
2: but literally, um, to be able to, I I studied a kind of acting that is not the method. It is not about staying in that place for you know the whole six months you're on a film project. I I learned a very technical kind of acting where you can just turn it off and go home, and and I think most um, daytime actors, uh, they, we kind of joke and call it the minute rice school of acting because you have to do everything so quickly under, and and faster and faster every passing year because of the time constraints and the budget constraints. <laughs> it just it, it's, um, it it was certainly a, a jewel in my crown. It was one of my most Appreciated most outstanding um, storylines for me as a, as an actor to have experienced. I'm so grateful for it, and it was, and it wasn't anything like the stuff I used to play when I was doing all those teen stories. Those were, yeah, I was the trauma victim and everything awful always happened to me. But but somehow, decades later, as as a mature woman who has had life experience, it every minute of it informs an opportunity to play a storyline like that. I loved it.
1: Uh, well, you mentioned Terry Lester a few minutes ago, and we got I just wanted to ask you, you know, when you think back to, uh, to to working with Terry, what was he like?
2: Well, you know, he was so very different than working with Peter, and I want to finish with talking about Peter for a minute, if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead. Terry L- Harry was a, a very um, interesting and multifaceted guy. He, he thought he was going to grow up to be a diplomat. He spoke fluent Russian. He was, like I said, a, a, an opera singer, a concert pianist, and he was, his father was in politics in his home state. And he was such an interesting guy. But he was also, very interestingly, a guy who was really hard to connect with on an emotional level, except as an actor. So as a person, as a friend, and all those years I knew him, um, we we were we knew each other well and we knew each other working together, but we didn't I didn't know what he was feeling at any given time or what he thought about things. Beyond just chit chat, he was not a person who easily let people in.
4: Hmm.
2: Um and but but as Jack there, you know what a dastardly, cunning cad! What a yeah. handsome, charming nightmare <laughs> yeah. of a, of a character, and he did a great job setting that up. Conversely, there's Mr. Peter Bergman, who stepped in, and I call him an an active actor. Peter Bergman doesn't stand still, even if he's standing still. There <laughs> is there is nothing restive about him, <laughs> and I love that. He is big, and he's loud, and he's ferocious, and he's passionate, and that's very different to the subtleties that Terry Lester brought to that role. Mm -hmm. So reinventing Jack Abbott, Peter just chewed it up and spit it out and made his way as an entirely different character within the confines of the facts. And he, on the other hand, is very emotional as a person and a friend. I don't mean he, I don't mean he's a mess, but what I mean is he's very uh you, he is very um accessible and he's a wonderful friend and he's a compassionate person and he yeah. listens well and he and he always asks about my daughter and my life and my husband and how he he is um very much a friend. Where Terry was um a wonderful Acting compatriot, but less accessible as a human being, mm-hmm. so that's an interesting contrast I think in mm-hmm. a role that they both just you use your word hid out of the park, both yeah. of them brought such yeah. an interesting dimension and uh so anyway we and yeah. it is a great pleasure to have to have known both actors, yeah. and I'm um thrilled that uh with with where Peter has taken that
1: role. Yeah, definitely. Now, now we got to talk about the cat fights with Miss Tracy Bregman, Lauren <laughs> Um Those are, I mean, they're they're on YouTube, so I watch them all the time because I, I miss those. Oh, we definitely. don't see we don't see those anymore hardly in in daytime. We don't see the cat fights, you know, like the uh, the Sheila Carter versus uh, uh, Lauren, or the, <laughs> yep. or the or the or you versus you know Tracy versus uh, Lauren. What was it like working and doing those type of scenes with uh, with uh, uh, Tracy?
2: Uh, it was there is nothing I liked better and and I think that she would say the same thing uh, we we were have and still are have always been, although we played arch rivals, we have always been very close friends, and mm-hmm. we even we even lived about a block apart. Um, in our early years on the show, we moved into t- condos near each other, So we and we walked our dogs every day together. We ate at least three or four times a week, ate dinner together. Um, we, we were very uh, close in those days when we didn't have families, and once we were married and had children and had our families, we stay very close, but we just don't spend as much time together. So people would follow me into the restroom at a restaurant and say, you are sitting with that girl, and she doesn't like you. She's mean, and, you you know, don't trust her. And people would try to give me advice because of what they were watching on television about how how terrible she was to choose as a friend. It was just hilarious. And when we got to play those cat fights, I mean, those were the days of the famous, you know, dynasty, Mm -hmm. um, Linda Evans in the fountain, <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: rolling on the floor, uh, uh, cat fights. I, I don't think people are tired of seeing them, and I hope that as, as the remaining four shows uh, continue to honor the historic aspects of what brought daytime to its peak in the mm-hmm. first place, and bring back characters that are beloved, that people are dying to see again, and bring back kind of uh, even little short story arcs with people that they've revered all these years. I don't think that it's completely out of the realm of possibility that there's a cat fight or two left in daytime. Oh
4: good. Well, <laughs> and we I mean. sure hope so. <laughs> exactly.
1: I I'd like to see you get on the floor and tear up somebody on that on Genoa City. I'd like to see it again. I miss those days. <laughs> um, now when uh, Mr. John Abbott Decided to hire somebody To keep the grounds of the mansion uh, He hired Mr. Brad Carlton Played by the very handsome And talented Don Diemline. Uh And then you just got your clothes Right in there You didn't waste no time So what was it like working with Don?
2: <laughs> it was fantastic And I don't know was it was me That was wasting the time I think that the whole point At the beginning Was to have him be a social climber And that he was just so Um, awesome in the role that you never knew quite if Brad was good or bad, but he always made the right choice. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so that was always so much fun about that one little conundrum about whether when he was a pool boy, was he really after Tracy for her money, for the power, for a job at the big company? What was he really, really after? Don Diamant is one of the great human beings on the planet. Uh, He is not my type, thank God. (laughs) I certainly would have... Or I certainly would have lost my heart to Don Diamant, um, <laughs> who remains just uh, having so much um, joy and compassion, especially for young people. He loves his family and his children. He is so fun in the role on Bold and the Beautiful. And he... And he, here is a guy who will admit right off the bat. I'm not. He started in daytime. wasn't a very good actor. He had been done one role on The Fall Guy as an Elvis impersonator, and <laughs> had been a model. And so, huh. bit, the amount of range and heart that he put into learning to to be a gifted actor, he took his his. Um, his advantages, how, how very handsome he is, and how very charming he is, and his confidence, and he really made that into a lifetime career. And I admire him with every fiber. I just, he's a, a terrific, terrific guy. And it was a great pleasure. Everybody usually in the in the 80s and 90s, the first question in an interview is, um, who's the best kisser? Don <laughs> Diamant, Michael <laughs> or Greg Wrangler? Um, who is the actor that plays Steve Connolly also oh, yeah. very handsome lovely guy and and um and it's so funny for a character like Tracy to and and again part of her charm, part of what gives you know the we're in your living room five days a week and it's all about fantasy, it's all about what could be it's all about um passion and love and hope and romance and power and money and and it and corruption and Appointment and it and it's so interesting to pick a role like Tracy in a daytime drama and put her with gorgeous men who find something to like in her, even though it isn't certainly a, a, the typical relationship. And yeah. um and and what a pleasure that is to play.
1: Oh yes. Now we we we, we got to make sure we cover all the abbots. What what um, you know when you think back working with Eileen, you know she she's portrayed actually the majority of the years as, as well as Sherry and Brenda. Uh, so what was it like working with uh, what is it like working with Eileen?
2: You know what we we went through sort of the middle part of our careers where she was off doing a couple of other shows, a nighttime series and movie, a couple movies and another soap opera, and um and it. Because of those early days you and I talked about a little while ago, with yeah. really relationship building in the at, amongst the core Abbott family, um, Eileen and I cannot see each other for years at a time and walk into the room into a room together, throw our arms around each other and cry. Aww. We we are we are um, somehow deeply linked by those. Oh, I'm tearing up, Douglas. You can't tell because we're on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're so deeply linked to those early um, sort of Formative years and the relationship building that we did and the and the competition we played as characters and the and the difficulties we as young women you know being very popular on a daytime show and learning about making money and learning about being actors and learning about being people we had we had personal conflicts we had professional conflicts we had character conflicts we went we've been through so much together that um, that although it's another Situation where we don't see each other sometimes for a years, a couple of years at a time, but when we are together, we're like sisters because we almost wow. are sisters.
1: Exactly. Well, that is great to hear. And uh, you know, before we finish up with Young and the Restless, I got we got to talk. You know, one last thing about the the matriarch or the patriarch of the show, uh, uh, <laughs> Jerry Douglas, who plays uh, your now ghost father, <laughs> uh, John Adams. <Adder. laughs> what's, what's it been like working with him?
2: Um, he, it, my father in real life, is a saint among men, but he was not a strong, dominant male.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: Jerry Douglas sort of took over raising me up. And mm-hmm. when when he became my TV father, for I think for Eileen as well, and possibly for Terry, although Terry had a lot more confidence because he had been doing this, doing uh, daytime and being an actor longer. But I think Jerry Douglas took us on and took us into his family, and we are his daughters. (laughs)
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) He gave us advice, whether we wanted it or not. He gave us um, laughs and uh, joy and tears. He um, welcomed us with open arms. He encouraged us and scolded us. I remember, uh, an you remember the Abbott breakfast scene? Oh, yes.
4: Which were a regular...
2: Yes, they were a regular thing for years and years and years. It was uh, in almost every, at least once a week, there was an Abbott breakfast scene, and Jack ate through the entire thing, Uh (laughs) which talked with food in his mouth, and everybody else hashed out everything they were going through.
4: Uh I
2: remember Eileen and I were not getting along very well personally for a short time, and I said something snarky (laughs) at an Abbott breakfast scene, and Mr. Jerry Douglas looked at me, and he said, Mind your business. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
2: and I shut my mouth oh, <laughs> the, wow. the father has spoken exactly. so he, I have the happiest memories the warmest feelings for Mr. Jerry Douglas who like I said just took us on <laughs> yeah.
1: now when you know when we lost uh Colleen we were not expecting to lose uh Brad so quickly so and then with you, with Tracy being on off screen so often you know that family core you know that family has is no longer there and it, it's it's really sad, um, you know. I I don't know what caused them to you know to, to, to get rid of you know practically your whole your Genoa City family, you know, married family. Um, so it's just been kind of sad. It'd be nice that if you know, well, we don't want to see a child you know die. We you know the, another another big loss was when we lost the uh, you know Cameron Grimes who played uh, Nick and Sharon's daughter. Yes. Uh, and yes. that was that was one of the, the most Traumatizing stories of all time, and even you know uh, Joshua Morrow and Sharon have told me that it was very hard on them as well. So seeing a yeah. child die on on you know doing it, being an actor is one thing. You know you, know, you guys are feeling it as you talked about, but also uh, you know we grow to love these these children, and then they're taken away from us as well. So you know you know Colleen was a was a family member, Cassie was a family member, and it, I just wish they chose you know I wish they could have chosen not to do that, and especially with Colleen. Dying and then Brad dying just soon after. It was just too soon. It was very raw for me as a fan. It was really hard for me. And I'm. I'm. I am i i do not know what you you thought about your family dying off like of that.
2: Well, um, I feel exactly the same way you do. There could. There's nothing more um, traumatic, to, um, as as mercenary as this may sound. Both as a character, as an actor who plays a character, and professionally, to see mm-hmm. your storyline potential dissolving <laughs> into thin yeah. air. I mean that sounds really mercenary and selfish but but honestly it's almost like when they call I don't know what I'm going to play I don't know what there's left for me to play because my people aren't there do you know what I mean yeah. Yeah,
4: exactly. so so
2: there's a there's a big vacant hole where where major people once filled my working life they they're gone
4: yeah and
2: I'm so excited every time I see you know a script or whatever when Joy Douglas is going to be back, you know being our conscience um and mm-hmm. especially jack's i'm very excited when when uh, even if it's just for me to be there for a christening or whatever i'm very excited when there's a little scene in addition to the purpose for Tracy to be in town where I actually get to counsel someone or mm-hmm. um or
3: or scold
2: Jack or um do something that doesn't replace John, but that but that harkens back to the need for a central um, a, a heart of the family, the core. Um, people have used the term moral compass. Um, that that John first was the moral compass, and without him, now the ghost John is Jack's real conscience. Mm-hmm. But now, but now the the person that kind of grounds everybody and brings everybody back to reality is Tracy and yeah. there's nothing i like more than thinking about that i mean there's they, they uh, the, the fact if there was a human that went through all that tracy did and and the loss that tracy has experienced as an adult and the conflict and trauma that she experienced as a young person trying to find her way and everything in her you know as a roadblock as an obstacle um to to actually be a strong, confident, competent human being that didn't fall apart, that didn't uh, succumb, that, that just kept coursing through, um, to, to to be able to play that, um, is I just love every single opportunity where there's a scene where I get to look in Jack's eyes, and yeah. we both tear up. I mean, instantly, we both get tears. And he, and he said to me, my first day back, I've only been back one day um, before this conversation with you, Douglas, and on that, uh, we finished our scenes, and he looked at me, both of us with tears in our eyes, just, just not weeping, but just nifty, and he said, I just love the Jack that you being here lets me play. I oh. love what you bring out in me. I love playing that Jack.
5: Oh. And he said,
2: "I think I think the audience loves to see him. They forget, you know, this, you know, finagler and manipulator, and you know, confident, powerful, you know, kind of crazy, dangerous guy. But when he's with Tracy, he's who he's it's the jack. I, it's the man I want to be."
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that well, I'm, I know that you've uh, you know you've uh, recently filmed some scenes. So that means we're going to be seeing some Tracy soon, and uh, if uh, we if we can, we're, the fans will get rally together because you know Ashley is MIA and Tracy is MIA. You, know, you guys are you guys are in New York together right now, so yeah. uh, so we need our abbotts back because you know Jack's <laughs> the only one. I mean, we we've got the offspring such as Kyle and and and, uh, and Abby, and you know, but we really we really do miss. Uh, uh, have Ashley, uh, whether it be played by Eileen or who, you know, I would prefer Eileen, but of course she's very happy where she's at over in days, but um, mm-hmm. we just miss the Abbots. You know, the Abbots are such a, you know, they they just killed off too many too quick.
6: <laughs> and
1: um, but well, at least they get to utilize I, Jerry,
5: though.
2: Yes and i love that you say that and i and i i honestly feel you know people say that to me all the time on my various on my website on my facebook page but also people i meet um people say that all the time we, where are the abbots where are the core fan and and i think again like kind of we brushed over earlier i think in general in daytime i think the remaining four shows on network television are really trying to honor that and yeah. in ways that they can in the constraints that the new face of daytime has imposed. I think that they are trying to do their best to honor those things. Uh, maybe that's part of why I'm back for a little while at Young and the Restless. I hope so. Maybe mm-hmm. it's to you know just take your hat off from time to time to those traditional stories, those traditional characters that fans really long to see. It, it's great to tell fast stories. It's great to see all these new faces and young people. It's awesome, and it's the way of the world. But on the other hand, um, the the hardcore fans that have watched for more than a few years, that have watched for decades, long for those um, faces and characters to, to pay them back for their loyalty, and I, I'm very thrilled to be there for a little while to, uh, to be a part of that.
1: Yeah. Well, we, I'm thankful for it, and we, I cannot wait to see you grace our screen once again. Um, so let's see, what has Beth been up to? What has, <laughs> what has Beth been up to? Since Tracy's you know, doing her thing, what's Beth doing?
3: Well, I do, I,
2: I do do not let much moss grow. I have to admit, um, <laughs> I, I am uh, living a very. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time driving right now because my family and I have relocated to the beautiful central coast of California, and um, I, I have. I'm a big animal lover, and I have. Uh, a farm full of animals. I've got um, horses and dogs and beautiful new Bengal cats. I got a kitten at Christmas and ended up rescuing two more adult Bengals. So I've got three Bengal cats stalking my my, uh, house and um my i have always had at least three dogs at a time and usually more i just i love animals i had two I rescued mediterranean miniature mediterranean burrows for a while and i have a miniature gelding outside and um so i about half and half i i have a beautiful black Frisian horse whom I, tra- with whom I train dressage, I, I ride but mostly my horse and I do um, exhibition work, I do uh, he's clicker trained, he's a trick horse, I have costumes for him costumes for me um, I have a, a little tiny miniature uh, textile design empire I'm building um, <laughs> I have always been uh, a costume designer and a personal accessories designer um, I have uh, been uh, very involved in the home textile arts for decades. Uh, from the time that 13-year-old girl I told you about that was in the Crucible made mm. the costumes out of drapes. <laughs> mm. <Yeah. laughs> so I've been doing that for some time. But now I have, I'm have. i writing a quilting project. Book. Um, I have a little YouTube channel, and I think that listeners can find those links either on my website, which is a modest little um, that's my name.com, BethMaitland.com. But I think you also are so generous and have put links to a couple of things on your website oh, yeah. for us. Yeah.
4: Um,
2: and they can also find me on my Facebook page at um, BethMaitland's Drama Queen Bee. Drama Queen Bee is my little brand. um I have a YouTube channel where I'm starting. I've just started developing it, and I'm doing tutorials to teach people how to stock their studios, how to quilt, do small quilting projects. Um, my my um, sort of platform is it's better to get it done than to make it perfect. So my idea is sort of from a beginning to um, an intermediate to advanced quilter, there's something that I'm trying to include quick tips and how to get things done using pre-cut fabrics in a short amount of time so that you have more projects completed and don't get frustrated without the immediate gratification of getting the job done. So um, I have private clients that i design things for like i said costumes for horses and i do music arrangements for costumed exhibitions for horses and horse shows so i keep very very busy in addition i'm also i have a little production job i work behind the camera also and i work on sitcoms and um right now it's a great break for me sitcom season is over until july but i have just finished um shake it up for Disney, uh, this was our third season on, on Shake It Up, which is a, a Disney show about two teenage dancers.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, I also just finished Baby Daddy, which is a darling show for ABC Family. And um have worked on sitcoms back since the days of um, one of my first shows was... Um, um, Oh boy. <laughs> I worked on Caroline in the City. I worked on Third Rock from the Sun. I worked on, um, let's see, some other hits that you might remember. But, but I, I um, have been doing that for a long time, basically to sort of train as a director and to inform myself at things, uh, about things that happen behind the camera so that perhaps one of these days I'll actually direct more than just my little YouTube channel and see if I can, <laughs> uh, see if I can get my hands dirty that way.
1: Yeah. Wow. See, we'll see. While Tracy's gone, Beth is uh, keeping really busy, I see. Do you ever have time just to... ah breathe?
2: <laughs> uh, every now and then. Uh, usually, I breathe well in the car in my uh, two-and-a-half-hour commute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> which is which is my office time. That's mostly when I talk on the phone, return phone calls, and actually, I listen to books on tape. I, I, I don't have a lot of time to read, but I love books, so I listen to a lot of audio books. <laughs>
1: oh, wow. Um, now, I did see on your uh, biography on your, on your website that you worked with Carol Burnett and Hal Holbrook.
3: I did,
2: indeed. It was such a pleasure. Um, wow. There was, in, in back in the days, uh, actually the stages that you have visited, Douglas, um, mm. right across the hall was where they used to shoot the Carol Burnett show.
4: Oh. And
2: so Carol Burnett was at CBS Television City for the entire run of her fabulous variety show. Mm. And so in the 80s... Um, late 80s, maybe early 90s, but I think it was the very end of the 80s. Um, Carol was uh, had decided to buy the property for ABC of the play, the Neil Simon Play Plaza Suite. And, um, and very in brief, instead of a male actor playing all three acts, playing all three different male roles in all three acts, she played all three female roles. And I think her leading men, one was Dabney Coleman, one was Hal Holbrook, and one was Richard Crenna. And I played uh, Hal Holbrook's secretary with whom he was having an affair in the middle act of Plaza Suite. And it was one of the most memorable moments of my career. Um, Carol could not be a smarter, more generous, welcoming actress and person. And she was, as you may know, a big fan of ABC soap. All My Children was her favorite show. And she's appeared on it several times. Mm -hmm. Carol had just written a book. And her daughters were CBS soap fans, so her daughters became friendly with me. And uh, we asked Carol to, to sign um, my, her biography for me. And she, years later, worked with my husband, who is a sound mixer right now. In fact... He's mixing General Hospital, and um, did all of the sound mixing for for all my children, for which he won an Emmy when they moved to Los Angeles. So the whole time all my children was out here, he was their mixer. Um, But at any rate, he worked with her on a sitcom, and came up to her and introduced himself, and I and he said, I just wanted to say hello from my wife, who worked with you on Plaza Suite, best. And she he didn't even have to finish my name. She said, Beth Maitland. I love her. She's darling. She was terrific, and what a nice woman. And I don't know how she does it, but she remembers the name of every camera operator, every boom man, every person she's worked with. She's just amazing. And right next door to where we shoot Baby Daddy at CBS Radford, next door is Hot in Cleveland. And our last week at Baby Daddy, Carol was guest starring on Hot in Cleveland, and I got to say hello to her. Oh, wow. After all this time, you know, she's still just an amazing woman.
1: Yeah. Wow. This this hours went so fast. So much information. That's amazing. I, you know,
2: I I have problems not knowing when to stop
4: talking.
1: <laughs> oh no, I love it. That's less for me to talk. I just throw off the question and let you just go for it. This my show is all about the guest and getting to know the guest. So that's why I love that you you were able to give us so much uh, good stuff for the fans. Um, I do want I do I do remember, and I don't know if anybody else remembers. Um, but you were in Mr. Holland's Opus with Richard Dreyfus.
3: Oh yes, I was.
1: And that I was one of my favorite it. films. Really? Yeah. Well, such a good film.
2: It's, it really speaks to all the things you and I talked about early in the show about my background in um, mm-hmm. you know educational uh, education and the arts and how imperative it is that we do not stop funding the arts in schools. um, And I was very proud to be a part of that, a very minuscule, really small little part of that project. Um, I played the principal of the deaf school that um, Richard Dreyfuss and Glenn Headley take their, now they've found out he's deaf and they're trying to figure out how to cope. I'm I'm the principal of the school that they end up taking him to, to learn American Sign Language. And um, I had just finished in real life a play for Deaf West Theater in Los Angeles. And the play, it's a very interesting way that they approach things. They have a deaf cast, they have a hearing cast. And if Hmm. you come to see one of their plays, you watch the deaf cast. The actors on stage are hearing impaired, and they act using American Sign Language and do not speak. In a sound booth at the back of the theater, the hearing actors, myself and another actress, we did the a production of, of *Night Mother*, um, mm-hmm. which is a two-woman, very dramatic two-woman play. Um, we sit in a sound booth in the back, and we have headsets on, and we have microphones in front of us like a radio play, and we watch the actresses and we speak the role of each of our, you know, of our, our specific character. As the actresses, the sign language actresses perform it, so it's like double casting, and it's wow. very complicated. Uh, but the hearing people, the the deaf people that come to hear the to, to see the show, just see the the obviously the deaf actors, and but the but the hearing people get headphones when they come into the theater, and there's a sound system provided by Sennheiser, and they get these headphones and they hear us while they're watching the, the um, actors performing in American Sign Language. And I had just, it's a, a brilliant way to present to all audiences the beauty of sign language, the talent of, of this core of deaf actors. And um, so I had, I had learned, I'd been studying sign language for several years, and so someone that was involved in casting Mr. Holland's office had seen the play. And when they were looking for an actress who was a hearing-speaking actress, that could also fluently sign she thought of me and I never auditioned or anything they just called me and booked me for the part which was so much fun
4: oh. we shot
2: in we shot in Portland I was there for a couple of weeks a beautiful city and I had a great great time
1: oh yeah it's such a great show I mean I ball every time I watch it it was just phenomenal and, and it's such an important film because music has been taken away from so many schools across the country and it's just oh it's just really a Heart-wrenching to know that you know my son's seventeen and when he was in, you know when he was in school there' just there's those options are not there like they were when you know you and I were younger where we had bands and we had keyboarding and all these different type of classes that just aren't there yeah.
2: Well, Douglas, honestly, it's one of the reasons that we moved to the Central Coast. My daughter, who's a musician, was so fortunate. There was a lady who volunteered from the third grade forward to have a little community district-wide band for children, and my daughter participated in that playing flute. In junior high, they still had a small band program, and Mm -hmm. her flute teacher in junior high suggested she go on to bassoon and then by the time she got to high school there was a band program and it was but it was very expensive you had to pay for it thousands of dollars a year for the children to wow. participate in the band program and my daughter had already sort of come to a decision that she wanted to be a music educator and so um, we moved to the Central Coast, where she would have more opportunity um, to not only be in band, but also in choir. She just got back two weeks ago from singing at Carnegie Hall. This is oh, her first year in wow. choir, and they got the opportunity to sing with big choral superstar Eric Whitaker at Carnegie oh, Hall, doing, premiering some of his new works. And and now she has been accepted uh, with some scholarship to um, Cal Poly to get uh, on the soon, and she to, to you know get her music credential. And and quite frankly, we if we don't keep trying and keep insisting that those programs are funded and keep participating, I'm the booster secretary, and we fundraise and we volunteer and we haul around timpani drums in our t- trailer and <laughs> to competitions. Wow. If, if we if we don't remember how important um, arts are in the schools that inform our children in every way, in confidence building, in mathematics skills, musicians and, and fine arts performers and artists and photographers, all these children get opportunities that will absolutely create a whole um, functioning, creative, awesome human being when they go out into the world. We've got to just, we've got to insist.
1: Yeah, we do. We do because we need... The arts is what keeps us going and you know, creativity. You know I love my movies, I love my music, I love my TV shows, and we need the, <laughs> the the education for people to get that to that state. That's right. Yeah. Well if uh you want if anybody wants to call in and say hello to Beth, we're taking some calls now. So um first up I have uh she's a big fan of yours and she's also the uh Jerry Douglas's Facebook uh person that runs his Facebook. Uh so her name oh. is Pam. Her name is Pam. Uh so go ahead Pam, you're on with uh Beth. Go
5: ahead. Hi Beth, how are you? I'm great. It's so nice to talk to you. Hello. <laughs> Jerry is always telling me nice things about you, Eileen and um Peter Bergman.
2: Awesome. Well, you know, if you know Jerry well, which you obviously do, to run to run his social media. Yeah, I do his
5: Facebook page, his Twitter, his fan page, everything.
2: (laughs) Oh, how fun! Isn't he a handful? And isn't he fabulous?
5: Yes, he's very nice, very nice. I want to ask you, what was your favorite storyline that that uh, Tracy was in?
2: You know, uh, Douglas and I talked about it. I think it would have to be the Colleen's death storyline. I think Mm -hmm. there were great storylines. Most. You know, second to that, in my early time at the show, I would have to say um, concerts with Danny and Lauren and. Uh, mm. I would have to say those concerts were so much fun. They were over-the-top exciting, and so fun for us as young actors um, to, to be able to go into Capitol records and record, you know, music and, and use other skills that you would not usually see in a, in a, a role you were playing on television. That, those were fabulous. But I would say the most demanding but the most rewarding was the Colleen storyline.
5: I know I just got talk through talking to Michael Damien off another radio show and I was telling him I miss the concerts. They were so I nice know. to him and I said with the with the young Russell's fortieth anniversary, I think they should have one this year.
2: I think that's a great idea. I'm available. And I wish they would bring <laughs> your
5: character I wish they would bring your character back more often. I, I miss Tracy and I'm sure many others do too. Well, you know, you're part you so of the Abbott family, so. and, you know, Eileen's not on there, you know, because she's on days a lot, so, mm-hmm. you know, there's only Jack by himself.
2: Well, we're we're hoping that we can mend some of that. I hope that part of this is about surrounding Jack with family again. And, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I'm so happy to be there. I, I hope it goes on and on and on. Um, <laughs> we don't always get to choose that, you know. We just, yeah. we, when they call, if we can do it, we do. Um, but... Uh, hopefully, the the powers that be are also thinking along those lines. I hope so for all of us.
5: Oh. I would ask you another question. I remember reading a long time ago that you had a bet, bed and breakfast in. Do you still have it?
2: Oh, yeah. You know, we did for 15 years. We sold it not too long ago. Um, I bought that bed and breakfast when I was newly married as a place for my mom and dad to kind of go for pre retirement. My mom had struggled with cancer, and she needed a little bit less stress in her life, and, and my mm-hmm. folks wanted to retire to the mountains, the beautiful little western city of um, Prescott, Arizona. And so we bought uh, a Queen Anne Victorian home overlooking the courthouse square that was built in 1894, and we are very proud to have been its caretaker for 15 years. Um, I am sad wow. to say that my mom passed away from cancer and a couple I'm of years so ago, sorry. and we...
5: Thank you. And we sold my the mom passed process. away of cancer too. But she oh, died. My well, mom died in seventy nine. I'm so sorry. Yeah.
2: But um, but on a happy note, my dad is still in the area and retired, uh, sort of semi-retired. He's still the business manager for the Chamber of Commerce in downtown Truscott, So he keeps his finger into tourism and all their activities in the square, and he's mm-hmm. doing just great. But um, we no longer have the bed and breakfast, but we get to drive by the beautiful house that is now a private residence again. So some people bought it, and they live there uh, most of the time uh, and use, like, a, an office one of the – People that bought it is a, um, I think he's a, if he's not a senator, he's in the House of Representatives for the state of Arizona, and so they use it as a campaign office as well. So it's just a beautiful old home. We were
5: so happy to have it. I know. I saw pictures of it in Soap magazine, and it looked really beautiful. <laughs> it was.
2: Well, and it thank you for taking
5: the time to talk to me. Oh, you're I appreciate welcome. It's
2: so nice to meet you. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, your questions, and thanks for listening, and thanks for all the stuff that you do for Jerry to help us promote the show and that and that crusty old dad of mine.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you,
5: Pam. Thank you, Doug. All Bye. Right.
4: Bye-bye.
1: <laughs> Uh, while you were talking to her, I wanted to, because tonight's the 200th uh, show that I've done, so I was like, I wonder who my 100th show was, just to see. And ironically, it was the Ashley Abbott tribute show when I had Brenda, Eileen, and Sherry on for two hours for the fans. So how coincidental is that? That's just crazy.
2: That's- Awesome! That, that is, is awesome.
4: awesome, Doug.
1: Yeah, I'll 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 send you in Facebook the link to that so you can hear that. It's a great show with all three of the actresses and all their takes on Ashley and everything, and uh, it's really it's it was a lot of fun.
2: How awesome! I would love it.
1: All right. Well, we got one more caller, and her name is Pam as well. Wow. Go ahead.
6: Well, hi Beth. It's nice to meet you. Hi Pam. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for calling in. Um. Yeah, I've watched you since you came on. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm having a fan moment right now. My mind's gone blank. <laughs> Young and restless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you were so inspirational to me. I've, I know we're not that far off in age. and you, Tra- Well, I should say, Tracy and I were going through a lot of the same things at the time. And... Mm-hmm. I just... And if I start crying, forgive me, but... Uh, <laughs> you were such an inspiration, and... Like I said, my mind's going blank right now. I've I've had all this stuff I wanted to say to you, <laughs> and...
3: That's okay, Pam. <laughs>
6: <laughs> But one of my main things, and nobody will probably like this, but... Um, And as much as I loved you and as much as I loved Don Diamond, I never liked Tracy with Brad. Oh, well, you know,
2: that's that's probably why they kept breaking us up.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I thought Tracy deserved better than him. And then when Tracy got pregnant by him, that just upset me because I always thought that Tracy should have had Danny's baby. I would have been happy, and when Colleen died, I probably would have, you know, just broke the TV. But,
5: um, well,
6: I mean, I'll
2: tell you. It's it's an interest. That's a really interesting reaction, and you're not the first person that has said that to me. I think that it's what kind of Doug and I were talking about earlier. The character of Brad was always a little suspect. Everybody would you, we weren't exactly sure what his motives were all the time, and there, a lot of times they would hint at him having a dark past and having come from kind of a bad background. And I think that there was always that sort of inkling that there there was something just not right um, in Brad's motives and. I, again, I think that's why a lot of – on the one hand, on the upside, Brad and Tracy together was really hopeful for a lot of people because it told the story that it doesn't necessarily um, – it doesn't matter necessarily what you look like on the outside. It's who you are on the inside. And I right. think that, that was the the main story they wanted to tell. And then they get to satisfy people like you, Pam, when they break us up and, um, and send – I think at one of the breakups, the first breakup, Tracy – went off to college and left Brad. She left him and said, We're all we'll always be friends. You mean so much to me but I just I I don't think that we are destined to be together forever. I just don't think that we're perfect for each other. And when they made up uh and got back remarried, it was kind of a rebound odd thing. Remember that uh I think Brad had been married to Ashley in the mm-hmm. interim and um in sort of a a rekindling of, I think it was sort of handing out Band-Aids. Brad was on the rebound. Tracy was back and lonely, and they had sort of a one-night stand, and she got pregnant. And so I think it was it was Brad doing the honorable thing. But again, not a relationship built on romantic, passionate love, but, but on respect and friendship and doing the right thing, and then setting each other free when it was obvious that um, that would be better for everyone. So I think you know. I think they kind of made up for it for anything that might creep you out a little bit about the relationship. I think they, I think they they took both sides, and it's it's the way of the soap opera. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, that's true too. But you know, it is I never thought Colleen should have been because of Brad. Now, had mm-hmm. you had a child with Danny, I would have been fine with everything. <laughs> oh, I say, you Tracy. Um, <laughs> But,
2: but but you know but Pam um Tracy and Danny never slept together and Tracy wanted to set him free to have his career so that would have been a big complication i think to um you know to try to to try to get them to a place in their relationship where it where it didn't seem like Danny was taking advantage of her. I think it's it's crucial in what we love about the Danny character, that he was a good man, that he would never take advantage of her. And that's why he married her, because she was pregnant with, remember, the professor's baby, and she was suicidal. She tried to kill herself, and he married her to save her so she would not try again, and so her family would think it was his baby so uh, I, I see I see what you mean and i and i would have I would have liked that too, but the way that the you know the way that they played it out it would have been i think complicated and hard to keep Danny being the good man the 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 reliable honorable guy that his character is if he had taken advantage
6: of Tracy and not loved her Just a well, but there's a lot during that time that I don't remember, but um. Because that was so long ago, and that was back in the time I was killing brain cells. And but I I don't—it just always stuck out with me. I, was, I always resented Colleen because of Brad, because Tracy—I never thought Tracy deserved him. Tracy Uh-oh. always deserved better.
2: Oh, thank and, you so much.
1: <laughs> well, since she has a loving husband now. <laughs>
2: He was naughty at first, too, though, Douglas. He he was unfaithful at first, but I think he's on the straight and narrow so far.
1: (laughs) Sounds good. Well, thank you, Pam, so much for your call.
5: Thank you. Nice mm -hmm. to talk to you. you. All All right. right. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Oh, that's
1: fine. I forgot to play my mid-show promo, so I'm going to play that real quick. It's 20 seconds, and then I'll take this last caller, and we'll let you get on with your weekend. Okay, Beth? Sounds great, great, Douglas. Be right back.
0: for all the latest entertainment news show schedule and archive shows check out onairwithdouglas.com and would you like to be a guest co-host with douglas just help book a guest and you can spend the hour with the guest contact onairwithdouglas at gmail.com for more today's show is sponsored by soapstyle.com where you can get all the latest fashion trends from daytimes to bold and the beautiful for more information go to soapstyle.com now back to the show all right. Our last caller tonight,
1: April. She's a big fan of the show. April, you're on my bets. Go ahead. And then we're going to wrap up.
0: Hello.
3: Hi, April. Really How are you? Doing? Doing? Fine. How are you? Good, good, good. I have really enjoyed listening uh, to the interview. I'm a newbie to uh, YNR. I got the privilege to go with Doug to the uh, YNR cake-cutting ceremony and the talk and, you know, meet some of the people. And so since then, I uh, am a newbie to the show. But I really uh, admired uh a lot of the work that you've done. It's just incredible. Um, How did you get involved with the production um, for the desk that you were talking about? I just think that is so wonderful. May I ask how you got involved with that?
2: I'm sorry, involved involved with what that I was talking Uh, about? Behind Uh, the
1: camera, production.
2: Oh, the production work. Oh, thank you for asking that, April. <clears throat> um, actually, it's because of my husband, who's a sound mixer. When I was um, pregnant with my little daughter, who's now 17, and now she's my big daughter. Um, she's been taller than me since she was about 14. <laughs> okay. um, when I was pregnant with her, um, I was written out of The Young and the Restless because it didn't really go. I was not under contract, and it didn't really go with the storyline that, that they were uh, working on at the time. And so I was uh-huh. home with this infant child, and my husband was concerned that I was um, staying. I was talking baby talk a little too much, I think. <laughs> and he
4: said, "Hey, <laughs> I hear you.
2: and so he he uh, had an opening for someone on his own crew to come and do post production notations and do a job that had me sitting right next to the person who cut all the cameras. And that's what I needed as." Uh, in my uh, quest to be a director, I needed to know more about um, what what they needed to have me deliver in editing, and so my job that I do now is post production notes. I take notes about what how the. Uh, Time code matches to sync the audio and the video, and there are camera shots involved. There are, uh, when actors mess up a line, I take notes about that. So I'm sort of, my job is kind of clerical, but technical, too, in the in the information I didn't have as an actor in front of the camera. And uh, I I, wasn't, I didn't feel like I was confident enough with what I actually had to do as a technician to be a good director. So it was sort of with that in mind that I started being um, – the job is called a recordist that I started doing production work. And because at the time my husband had left the music business and was working in sitcoms, I started doing sitcoms. Uh-huh. And it was actually awesome because as an actor, I learned from the best. I got to watch some of the best actors uh in sitcoms today Mr. John Lisko, um Tony Danza wow. who um just some amazing actors do it right and then also some actors that just were doing it not quite so well to know as an actor myself when I do comedy and Douglas talked about the growth it's my role is very comedic and I really feel like I got a lot of that ability to transcend drama comedy is hard they say it's not but comedy is a really hard hard thing to play and play well and i really feel like i was able to because of my time doing sitcoms Well,
3: wow. oh, that's wonderful and I really loved uh, what you said about being a little girl. That brought me right back listening to the record player and, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, watching old movies, and uh, I'm an old movie buff. And I could really relate uh, to that. I really enjoyed that part of the interview. May I ask what your favorite uh, music is from the 40s or 50s?
2: My favorite music or musical?
3: Uh, either one.
2: Okay. Um, I would say that, first of all, my favorite uh on-camera singer of all time is Judy Garland, and so oh, yes. anything anything that she was in, Meet Me in St. Louis, Easter Parade, uh, obviously Wizard of Oz, anything that she was in, uh, the Andy Hardy movies, I was a gigantic fan of, and a lot of my early singing was standards and and musical comedy. Um, They now call it musical theater because it's not always comedy anymore. But um, I I would say that that was my main focus as a singer in my early life as well. And um, I would say that my favorite music has sort of changed over time. My favorite music to sing is still music theater. My favorite music to listen to, oddly, has become things that are more atmospheric, like flamenco guitar and like um, movie soundtracks. I'm a huge fan of soundtrack movies, um, uh, uh, movie scores, things written by James Horner and obviously John Williams and um, a big fan of Danny Elfman who does all the Tim Burton soundtrack uh, music in all the Tim Burton movies. I've gotten to a point where I use a lot of that in projects that I do and in the dressage arrangements that I do exhibitions on my horse for. And so I've kind of shifted out of um, popular music and into sort of this film score cinematic music and just love it. But all of it kind of remained within the confines of things you would hear at the movies. So if right. it isn't Easter Parade and Judy Garland singing, it's Danny Elfman scoring some funny, fabulous, dark Tim Burton movie.
3: Oh, those movies are so inspiring. And so <laughs> they have great movies today. But I always say there's nothing like the classics uh, you know, they I they were so much more simplistic but I think back then they didn't have all the technical stuff and it was just good old fashioned acting. I mean they have wonderful things today of course, but my heart always lies with the forties and fifties and Judy Garland. As a child did you feel you quite didn't know what it was, but did you feel that drawn to the entertainment industry or Absolutely and, and like we talked about all those things, you know, sitting at home and
2: watching movies, and I know, even still, I know every lyric to to all those those musicals I sang over and over and over again, and I have on one of my uh, major channels on my Sirius XM radio in my car on my long commute to and from Los Angeles to work, there's always the Broadway channel on. <laughs> and and oh, wow. it's almost... It's almost a joke among my friends. Um, I know lyrics to I can identify the musical right away from the first few bars of the of the song that comes on, so it absolutely impacted my my career, my my life choices, my desire to be an actor, my desire to be a singer. It absolutely informed who I am.
3: right wow. Do you feel if you were given one choice as to stay in the acting profession or the musical profession, is there one that you would choose above the other?
2: I would not I would not cancel either out. I would insist that it would have to be, um, if I was going to be in the musical profession, it would have to be as an actor singing in a music theater.
3: Oh, right. Right. Good for you. Well, thank you very much. It was an honor to, to speak with you, and uh, I'm a big fan, and I know Doug and Rob and everybody is, and I really admire uh, your work and look forward to seeing more in the future. Thank, thank you, April. Thank you so much. That is so nice. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Have a good thank evening. Thank
1: you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, she mentioned Rob. Uh, Rob was uh, a part of my show for six months, and he was inspired by me. And, and actually, I was inspired by somebody else who does something like this. So he's branched off, and and I saw, and uh, he is going to have you on the show. Uh, or yeah, he's going to have you on the show later in the month. So if anybody's listening and didn't get a chance to call in tonight, uh, be sure to follow. Um, uh, Rad X Radio which is Rob Anthony Dyer Uh, everybody knows him here at the show uh, as my uh, best co-host I had Uh, so you can catch it on I think it's April 27th or 29th something like that so You get more bets. You get bets twice this month.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Twice in April.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And it's so
2: nice of you. Before we go, I want to tell you, it's so nice of you to be so supportive of of, um, Rob and him branching off to do his own show. That's just awesome. There could be competition and there could be animosity, but you guys are both so so mutually supportive, and I just love that.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, he... He he, like I was telling you before, my show originally started out just soap operas, and then I branched off and did some music. I'm doing music too, and I actually have a second Mm -hmm. show called Talk Soap, where all my returning soap opera guests are going to be on that show. So like, if you come back in the future, it'll be on my Talk Soap show. And uh, he brought he's a musician and. He's very knowledgeable. He's been watching Young uh, Russell's the same amount of time as I did, and I, he really was a great asset, but he got to a point where he learned everything, and he was ready to, to go do his own thing, and he just had his first show last night with Sherry Shattuck, who played Ashley, and tonight with Michael Damian, so I'm, I wish him nothing but best, and uh, I'm actually going to be a guest on his show to talk about, you know, inspiring other people to go out and chase their dreams. <laughs>
2: How fabulous.
1: Exactly. Great.
2: Great news. That's awesome, Douglas. Well, I
1: hope we can cross paths since we're in the area now. So I would love to be able to meet you in person. Uh, So hopefully we can do that.
3: I will look forward to it. I hope
1: so, too. Awesome. Well, I just tweeted out your links to your blog, to your YouTube, your Facebook. I I hooked them all up for people who may not know where to find you at. So you may have some new likes and new followers now.
2: Thank you so much. How awesome.
1: All and right.
2: I, I, I too, have been uh, – make sure that you shoot me a link where people can continue to go back to your website and be able to listen to our interview tonight, and I'll make sure to put that on my pages.
1: Perfect. Sounds wonderful. Listen, you have been a delight. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a year and a half in the making, and I finally got my Tracy. So thank you so Yay. much for being here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank and you for being tenacious and staying at it. I'm happy to be here.
1: All right. Well, listen, you have a great weekend. Have a great time with your family. Enjoy the weather and all your animals, and we will talk again very soon, Okay.
2: That sounds terrific, Douglas. Thank you for having Thank,
1: me. You're welcome. Thanks a lot, Pat. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right, everybody. I hope everybody enjoyed our chat. Uh, this was wonderful to spend 90 minutes with Beth Maitland. Uh For those who didn't really know uh, Tracy Abbott much, you know, if you're new to Young and Restless, I'll shoot out some uh, some links to some of her greatest scenes that I found on YouTube. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at On Air with Doug. Also follow at TalkSoap, my sister show that I host uh, as well. So speaking of that, uh, we will be back on Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, to uh, to do our weekly talk. So, which Rob is a part of, Scotia will be with us, and Marie, as we cover all four daytime shows, and also web series, including the two that are returning All My Children One Life to Live next, uh, end of this month. So, uh, be sure to tune in then, and then just to give you a little update on who's coming, I just want to let you know, next Wednesday, Peter Bergman, Jack Abbott, will be with me, and then the following Wednesday, uh, Doug Davidson, who plays Paul Williams, will be with me, uh, here on Air with uh, on Douglas, And then over on Talk Soap, uh, uh, let's see here. We just had Tristan Rogers on. So if you missed Tristan Rogers, be sure to go to talksoap.info so you can listen to that interview right on the front page. And also if you're a fan of the old Dog's New Tricks, which is the web series, actor and creator Leon Accord will be with us on April 18th. So we have a lot of good stuff coming up. And I'm also going to be working now on my new show, On Location with Douglas, where I'll be going face-to-face interviewing the stars that you all love. So be sure to follow at On Location Doug for the latest in that as well. So everybody have a great weekend and thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. I wouldn't do it without you. So thank you and we'll talk soon. Good night, everybody.
0: For a full archive of past shows and the upcoming schedule, check out onairwithdouglas.com. If you need help getting promotion out to our thousands of listeners, contact us at onairwithdouglas at gmail.com for more information. And be sure to check out our new weekly topical show Sunday nights. Until next time, thanks for listening to our show.